0: Hello and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform. And it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today.
1: Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians and let's, let, let's do something um, that's interesting. If this is your first time with us, we've been in the book of Philippians for now, Oh, wow, 14 weeks, I believe, as we've been studying the Word of God, verse by verse, line upon line, and uh, we we love the Word of God. Uh, We're not necessarily interested in hitting um uh political matters of the day, if the political matter shows up in the text, we're unashamedly okay with dealing with it, uh, but we're not a church. if you're interested in finding a political bandwagon, we're not your church if you're a church looking for emotionalism, we're not your church uh, if you if you're looking for a church that studies the Word of God and that is your heartbeat, I hope that you can find Uh, an opportunity to lock in here. Uh, We got a lot of guests this morning. Thank you for attending with us, but it's oftentimes good for you to know uh, what what you're kind of getting into. So therefore, if you're a guest with us today, you're jumping 14 weeks late into the game. Does that make sense? But you happen to come in on a week where I'm gonna go back and do a recap in order to develop uh, what is happening in the text today, okay? So we understand the book of Philippians was written um, by the Apostle Paul while in prison, but what we may not have captured is the fact that the reason this letter is being written is because Epaphroditus, a fellow soldier, worker, laborer with Paul, had gone to Philippi, had checked out everything going on, or had spent some time with him, and had come and given Paul a report, So Paul, this is what's going on at the church of Philippi. And if you remember what happened to Epaphroditus once he got back to Rome, what happened and delayed him from delivering the letter back a little quicker. Anybody remember? He got what? He got sick, that's right. He got very sick. And, matter of fact, the Bible says that Epaphroditus was like almost sick unto death. And so there's a little delay of getting the letter back, but now the letter's done. Paul's written it, he sends the letter. Now, when the letter arrives to the church in Philippi, it doesn't arrive in a scenario like this. Here's our struggle oftentimes we want to take the Bible and make it fit into 2021 but you can't get a clear interpretation of scripture if you do that. You have to take 2021 and fit it into Bible times. And and so um, it's not like Epaphroditus shows up, hands the pastor the letter, and he reads it to a large congregation. In in the early church, in the first century church, it wouldn't have necessarily been done like this, meaning there wouldn't have been multiple large synagogues with massive congregations. Back then, it would have been more, um, can I use the word carefully? Carefully. House churches, not house churches as in me and my family, no more and no one else are gonna sit here and study the Bible on Sunday. No, people's homes became a place of congregating. The word church means to gather you cannot have church in your house alone. You can study the Bible. You can read the Bible. You can pray. You can worship. You can sing. But you cannot be a part of church, truly, ecclesia, without congregating, because the word literally means called out assembly. And so they they had assemblies all over the city of Philippi, and every assembly had biblically its own elder or pastor. That's why when we look in the the New Testament church, we see the plurality of elders. It wasn't there was one big building and they had five pastors. The plurality of elders in the New Testament meant they had multiple churches, and Elder Bob was over here, and he was in that congregation, and then then Elder Mike was in that one, and Elder James was in that one, and and, and Elder Stephen was in that one, and and so they, they would pass the letter around. More than likely, the letter came to the prominent location, and after it was read there, it was handed to each local church within the church of Philippi. The beauty of the New Testament church. Now, sometimes historically, they would gather if they could find a location to fit so many people. Guys, I know it's shocking, but they didn't have mega church buildings and stadiums that would hold four or 5,000 Christians at one time. It was just a little different than it is today, But, but watch what's happening. So the letter shows up to the church, and in the church of Philippi, let, let's, let's make note, There is there are two individuals that are frustrated with each other, they're in literal disagreement, there's a problem in the church between these two women, and Paul has heard about it, and so now he's sending the letter back, so imagine the pastor gets the letter and says, okay guys, gather around, gather around, everybody get in, get in, send out word, we, we got the letter from Paul, everybody come in, yeah, yeah. Make some room for him there. Y'all scoot over and let them come in. So now you can see what's happening. And, and, And the elder gets up to read. And he opens the letter by saying, um, It's so great to be able to communicate with you. I wanna let you know that me and Timothy and Epaphroditus, we're all doing well. Peace and grace be to you multiplied through Jesus Christ. And, And remember this guys, we're all a part of the church because we're saved believers. If it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we would be nothing. He goes on to say in the same letter, I'm recapping the letter. He goes on to say, I pray earnestly that you know the truth. There's nothing more important to me as a pastor than you know the truth of the Word of God. And I want you to know something, guys. I am in jail. Yes, I am locked up in bonds. But don't be afraid for me. Quit fighting among yourself about why I'm here. I'm here because of the gospel. And since I've been here, not only have all the jailers heard about Jesus, but the entire palace, Paul said, has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't worry about me. I'm all about the gospel. The jail was necessary so that I could give the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you guys who are fighting... We need to be striving together. I have to wonder, in every chapter, Paul touches on unity among the believers. You have to wonder if that one girl looked over the other side and went, I hope she's listening because she needs some Jesus right about now, right? And the other girl sitting on the other side of the auditorium said, "Mm mm-hmm, get her, pastor. Get her. She needs to hear it. Get her. Let her know where she's she's at. Let her know what she's doing wrong. She's got a rotten attitude. I suspect she's going to come apologize by the time this is over, right? But still, nobody really knows, they think. The crazy thing is about dissension within the church, more people know than what you think. It's not hard to recognize when somebody is, as the Bible says, at ought against somebody else. Somebody's offended by somebody else. I mean, everybody recognizes that when she comes in, you move to a completely new section in the building. Everybody recognizes when that guy walks up, all of a sudden you quit talking and kind of cross your arms. I mean, we, we think it's hidden, but can you imagine the, the, the tension within the room? You could almost cut it with a knife, and Paul continues to address Let us come together, let us work together. Don't let any little thing get in our way because we are here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and he keeps nailing it and nailing it and then, of course, we know that the letter didn't have chapters. But can I say now we get to chapter four. Open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter number four. We finished up reading last week or before Awana together, excuse me, not Awana, but before VBS together together um, we finished up reading that first verse. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crowned. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And you can feel it. I, I, I'm not trying to over-sensationalize, but you're a human, aren't you? And if you sat in a small room like this and have gotten a letter from Paul And in that letter, it talked about laying aside your petty differences and getting things right with the Lord for the gospel's sake. And don't let these things, these quarrelsome things, we're striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know if if there was an issue between somebody else in the building, you would be thinking some of these things. But then in verse 2, he names names. (laughs) It's getting a little different now. I know we couldn't do this in the 21st century. Y'all would go hire a lawyer and sue the pastor for defamation. I get it. I understand it. But Paul wasn't worried about lawyers and the court system. He was ready to name names. This is how serious this was. Notice the Bible says in verse number two, I beseech thee. The word beseech means I, I strongly urge you. I beg you. I'm pleading with you. This is important. I'm gonna, the word beseech means to captivate. I'm gonna bring you under subjection. I urge you. Eodius and I and I beseech you, I beg you, Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Help those women which labored with me in the gospel. I believe the true yoke fellow is, Paul is saying, hey, and Epaphroditus, I'm just letting you know if these two women can't deal with their problem, if Iodias or Syncate can't deal with the issue, then I'm telling you, Epaphroditus, my true yoke fella, you need to help them come to a conclusion because we've all served together. We've all ministered the gospel together. We've been laboring together. Now we're all just in a tiff. We need to get this right. We need to deal with it. Watch what he says. And the Bible says, and I entreat these also, true yoke fella, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Paul is walking, can we say it this way, right up in the middle of it? He's dealing with it. And here's a couple of things I want us to recognize uh, today. And, And let me preface it by saying this. I, at this moment, do not know of anything going on within the body of believers here at this church, but I'm also... Highly aware that at any time because of the humanity in which we live in, there can be issues among brothers and sisters in Christ. I get that. I'm not naive. I don't know of anything right now, but if there is something today is, is a lesson that Paul is wanting us to hear. And, and here's some things we need to, to, to recognize this morning uh, concerning disagreements. Number one, disagreements will happen. Mac, I'm sorry. I like you. I like your hairdo. I'm even thinking about doing the old shave thing, just getting it all done and just moving on. You know what I mean? I've, I've considered it. I don't think I could carry it as well as you. But but Mac is as as good as me and you are right now. There is probably something someday that I'm going to do to offend you. Disagreements happen. They're going to happen, and there's nothing we can do about it. You want to know why? Because there is none righteous, no, not one. Everybody in this room has a sin nature. And the Bible says within that sin nature, we are left to ourselves, and every man pursues his own way. You don't believe it's true? Try to be married. As much as I love Robin... Ray battles inside here oftentimes in having his way and making sure his way is known and heard. And and, and that is not because I'm a bad husband. Why why do I want that to happen? Because I am human. I am flesh. In me dwelleth no good thing. I am a broken individual, and the reason I'm broken is because I want it my way. I want to please myself. I want to be right. How many of you have ever thought and you've asked yourself the question, is it worth it that I try to be right? Is what I'm going toward, is the end result worth it in the long run that I say that I'm right? I've had that thought. I didn't ask, me, I didn't ask myself, was I right? I asked myself, was me thinking that I'm right worth the battle that I'm about to go through? Because we even like to be right when we're Wrong, (laughs) because we just wanna be right. That that is our nature. Listen, disagreements are gonna happen and they're gonna happen especially among people that are with each other all the time and around each other all the time and, and serving with each other all the time and laboring together all the time. We have opinions. How many of you have an opinion? I have an opinion. I love the statement, we all have opinions and they're like armpits. Some of them stink right? We all have opinions. That's the truth of the matter. We all have something we want to say. We all have a way we want to do it. That's how we're made. One, disagreements are going to happen. Number two, disagreements must be addressed. They must be addressed, If the the disagreement is not so simple that you can't blow it off, then it must be addressed. I have no problem if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. That doesn't bother me at all. I like cheering for my local yokels. But guess what? If I move to another state, I'm going to change my team. I'm not dedicated to an NFL team, so I don't care that you cheer for them, and I don't care that you cheer for them. I'm all right with that. I don't walk into the church building thinking I'm not going to talk to him because he is a fill-in-the-blank fan. But is there something between you and a brother that, that severs fellowship, that severs relationship, that severs con- uh, conversation? That's why the Bible says when it comes to your spouse, you're not to let the sun go down upon your wrath before that is dealt with at least in the part of recognition that we got something to deal with. I think you need to calm down. I'm going to calm down. Give me a kiss, baby. All right, let's go to bed. We'll deal with this tomorrow. But at least we've stifled the wrath. The Bible's very clear that disagreements have to be dealt with. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. They have to be. Thirdly, Disagreements will happen, disagreements must be addressed, and thirdly, disagreements cannot be left undone, meaning you can't leave the handle sticking out. When God gave you, forgave you of your sins and cleansed you of all unrighteousness, it wasn't partial. God's not up in heaven. And sometimes we view God this way is, man, God, God forgave me my sins, but I know he's ready to beat me over the head with my sin and my wrong. He's not. The Bible says, watch, when Jesus Christ forgave you, the word of God says, he forgave you as far as the east is from the west. The problem in our finite thinking is we think in a spear as if if we threw the ball this way, eventually it's gonna come all the way back around and, and hit us. Remember when we used to think we could dig to China? When I was a kid, we're like, hey, man, come on, we're going to dig to China, right? We didn't even get through the top layer of the soil before we were done, right? And and we have such a small mentality of God. But listen, God doesn't think in spears. God thinks in eternality. When the Bible says he threw it from east, as far as east is from the west, he let it go this way, he let it go that way. And in eternality, they continued to travel away from each other forever, That's what God has done with your sin. He's buried it into the deepest sea, not so that he can pull the handle and hit you over the head with it when you're not doing good. He buried it into the deepest sea to remember it no more. I don't know what you've done, but you've got a God that has forgiven you of all your unrighteousness, and there's beauty in that. And he's asked for us to do the same when it comes to dealing with disagreements. We're going to have them they must be dealt with. We've got to address it. And let's be sure when we address it, we bring it to finality. Have you heard the statement, I can forgive, but I ain't going to forget? Okay. We, we have so many good unbiblical slogans. The truth be known, what you're trying to say is in that statement is I can forgive, but I'm going to remember what you did. And you will because you don't have the wonderful ability that God has to not do that. But the reason you're saying that is because you want access to it somewhere down the road. And we can't. This is what we know about disagreements. But you know what we don't know about this disagreement? Tyler, what was this disagreement about? Do you know? Ed, you read your Bible, don't you? Have you ever read the book of Philippians? then what was the disagreement about? You don't know? Man, I need a Bible scholar. Mr. Ruth, can you tell me what they were fighting about? Isn't that interesting? The Bible doesn't mention it. The Bible doesn't tell us what they were fighting about. We can't even guesstimate. We don't have a clue. I'm glad. I am so glad the Bible didn't tell me what they were fighting about. You want to know why? Because I would say this, well, at least I'm not fighting over what they are, but what I'm fighting over is actually important. Right? I would do that. The truth be known, God in his beautiful wisdom and sovereignty did not allow us to know why these two were fighting so much that Paul had to address them by name in the letter. Can you imagine now they're sliding down in their seat? They just got called out by name. That, that's To me, that's, that's significant, is it not? And I think what our Lord wants us to see is, is not what is not significant in the world of you people who got to have your nose and everything. I mean, just search Facebook and see what's going on there. You can't dig far enough in Facebook to find out what's going on between these two. God doesn't tell us. All he wants us to know is the issue that I'm wanting to address is we've got to deal with this. Because there's a greater cause. And this is why Paul addresses it. So let's take some time really quick to look inside this practically from the word of God and recognize what God wants us to do when we have disagreements. Now, we've got a launch from a beautiful passage. Go with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter number four. Let's jump down to verse number seven. When the apostle Paul closes out this letter, here's how he's going to close it. He's going to close it with the theme of peace. I want you to have peace. There's got to be peace. And here's one of the most famous verses, not only in chapter four and not only in the book of Philippians, but you'll recognize this passage if you know the word of God because it's a powerful popular verse in Christendom in, in, in the word of God in the New Testament. Here's the verse. And the peace of God which passeth what? Do you know the verse? It passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Can I say this? We live in a crazy world right now, and I am thankful for that promise. In this passage, Paul is going to address the church. Okay, okay, ready? He's closing the letter out. This is the end of the letter. He's, he's putting some touching points. I, I almost want to say it like this, but, but, but I don't want to lower it because I think our brains might. It's almost like, okay, I've I, I dealt with the gospel. I've dealt with the importance of why I'm going through this. And by the way, before I finish writing the letter, you two girls get it right but that almost kind of makes it not seem as important. But I'm telling you that he's closing the letter, but this is vital. Here's what he's gonna focus on, peace. No matter what, peace. No matter if you're in jail, we can have peace. No matter if you're in bonds, we can have peace. No matter what's going on around you, there can be peace. No matter what's happening up here, we can have peace. No matter what's happening between the brothers, we can have peace peace. There needs to be peace among God's people. There needs to be rest. And I love what he says here. Notice the text. For the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Now, here's what is important about peace. And I'm not going to spend some time here because Tyler's going to really deal with this in a couple weeks. But the idea of peace is this. Peace is not dependent upon what I understand. It can't be. Peace cannot be a result of reasoning. But peace is completely within the confines of who Christ is. So I'm a, I like good films, good movies. Uh, two of my favorite uh, series of movies, one written by C.S. Lewis, I love the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie series set. I think Hollywood did a disservice. I wish they would have done Horse and His Boy. If you ever read Horse and His Boy, it's all about the Holy Spirit. You can't see the lion. He's not there. But he kept guiding the boy all along the way. I love that one. But then there's the, the Lord of the Rings series by J.R. Tolkien, who introduced into that series a lot of religious thinking. And one of the statements in the second movie, The Two Towers, as the armies are coming down upon the good guys and evil is beginning to prevail and the armies are beginning to break through, I'll, I'll never forget, I think it was Aragorn who stood upon the wall and he yelled, To the keep! To the keep! And everybody knew what that meant. Everybody knew knew that we are going to, for now, fall back. The word not necessarily retreat, because we're not going to quit, but we're going to fall back into that place that is going to provide ultimate safety. In the Bible, there's the word, the keep. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, keep your heart with all diligence. It doesn't mean take it, hide it. It means bring it within the confines of protection. And here's what is so important about this verse. The Bible says that we are to um, have peace with God that is beyond all of our reasoning and understanding, and we will keep our hearts in the confines of Jesus, in the confines of who our Lord is. That's where our peace is found. He is the protector. He is the enabler. He's the one that watches and provides and keeps us. And you know when this verse lands, it's amazing to me, this verse lands in context and following the address that he makes to two of the ladies in the church who are fighting. You need to get it right because that's what brings peace. And you may not find peace between each other, but you can find peace within the gospel message of who Christ is. That's where we find our peace. Can I tell you something? When when the word came down Friday morning that as far as a nation is concerned, that abortions were going to be um, now illegal nationwide, would be up to the states, guess what I did not get? I'm sorry, this may bother you. I didn't get peace. I was happy. I was ecstatic. I thought it's about time. That's wonderful. This is awesome. Babies' lives are gonna be saved and changed and and, and, and praise God for that. And that is my biblical opinion that life begins at conception and and it's up to us to protect those whose lives have begun. And I'm happy about that, but I didn't have peace. You know what I did? I stood in the airport thinking, Chaos is really going to begin now. Evil wants to reign. I hope that I can make it home out of Phoenix when I arrive. I wonder, I didn't know what it was going to be like when I got in my car in Phoenix. I didn't know if somebody was going to make a protest in front of a, uh, you know, along a highway or something and stop traffic. I didn't know that. So there, weren't, there wasn't peace that that ruling came down. There was happiness and, and joy that lives may be saved because of it. But my peace didn't rest in that. My peace rests in the confines of Christ that whether in jail or in shackles, I can have peace because I'm within the the keep of Christ. And whether me and you agree or disagree, Ed, it's not what brings me peace. Our peace is in the confines of Christ. Now watch what he does in the passage and let's learn how to overcome quickly. Number one, peace with others requires living in harmony. Now this is really important. Notice what he says in the passage. He says, hey, you too. Hey, you two, I need you to be of one mind. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Or is it? Be of one mind. How many have ever done one of those um, personality tests online? Have you ever done the Myers-Briggs personalities test or the 16personalities.com. And basically this was not put together by a Christian organization. It's done probably by uh, psychiatrists or other types of people who study personalities and things of that nature so that it could be a tool for your company. That's what it really is. So before you hire an employee, have them take 16personalities.com. It'll tell you what kind of person they are and you'll know if they're going to fit within your team. Okay. And so a lot of people use that for, I know we had Tyler take that before he came because I wanted to know what kind of guy Tyler was. We don't want to have two of me, do we? We really don't. All right, we, we, we need my opposite. And so uh, Tyler's personality fits within the confines of what I need. So after you take this test, it's really cool. It tells you who to hire, who will fit with you well, who is your opposite that you will work together with. It tells you uh, who not to, uh, th- that you won't necessarily work well together with. And then later on, it tells you who you absolutely cannot hire because you'll never work together. You're two totally opposites in the different direction about the way you do things. So I took the test, and I am what they call a campaigner. I'm a visionary. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert, sorry. And uh, I just love seeing the big ideas, and I, I love taking risks and adventures, and, and I'm just a visionary guy, and I can walk up to you and talk to you with ease. It doesn't bother me at all. My wife is not a campaigner. I can't remember her title. Tyler may remember, but she is a introvert, detailed planner. Guess what person drives her nuts? The campaigner. And guess who drives the campaigner nuts? Her personality. Matter of fact, at the bottom of both our reports, it said this, do not work with, you will not survive. Okay, it's not a good idea. And it's so funny that not only are we opposites, we're so opposite that it is said by 16personalities.com that we could not coexist. But you know the great thing about 16personalities.com or any of those Meyer Briggs report? You know, the only thing that is revealing is really who I am and my nature, my flesh. And the problem with a website like that is you and I can go, see, that's why I am the way I am. And I have a right to be that way. Don't question what I am. But that's the wrong thinking. That right there just reveals who I am. And then I look to the Bible to see what the Holy Spirit desires for me to be. And if I submit to God and His leading, then I become what God wants me to be more like Him. And I overcome those things that are wrong within Scripture, or or, or, uh, excuse me, within a thinking or philosophy like that. And so when the Bible says that you and I can be one mind, we can. According to Romans chapter 12, and I won't have you turn there, the Bible says that God, through his wonderful goodness, has given us all different gifts but one spirit. It says he's given us all different administrations, but there's one Lord. He's given different operations, but there's one God. God recognizing that the nose can't do the smelling and the eyes I mean the, the nose does the smelling but the eyes can't and the eyes see but the but the ears can't and the ears hear but the the fingers can't and the fingers touch but the feet can the feet walk but and, and, and it gives us this understanding that the body is so different and, and there's so many parts to it yet it it is all one body. It is all one Lord. And if we as the church are going to be what God wants us to be, we're going to submit to what God says and work together in harmony, being of the same mind concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what you have between somebody. I don't know if there's conflict. But I'm telling you, we can walk through a lot of conflict when we're walking in the same mind of the gospel, the same mind of the truth of the word of God. And this is what Paul is encouraging the church to do. I love what the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, finally, as he's closing this thought up, Peter is, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, be of one mind. Did you know the Bible doesn't say that once? It says it over and over and over again. We're of one mind. Number two, ready? Number two, peace with others by working together. Notice he says in the passage, he says, hey, Epaphroditus, I want you to help those women. Matter of fact, the same women that at one time we had come together and we had worked together and we had labored together for the gospel, it requires working together as one well-tuned unit doing all of its parts. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things that you put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness and that the peace of God rule your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Here's what the Word of God says He knows we're different. Matter of fact, that is the perfect, wonderful um, creation of God that He didn't make us all the same. Hallelujah. We're different. But He brings it all together to work for His glory. You know what? We don't have time to fight if we're what? If we're serving and working. We don't have time to fight if we're preferring one another's gifts above our own. We don't have time to fight if we're, if we're all worried about who's going to get the glory. We don't, we don't have time to have disagreements if we're laboring and working together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what it's about, church. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can put aside a petty difference for the power of the gospel. Josh McIntyre was in here this morning. He's probably out on the property somewhere. And, uh, and Josh McIntyre has been with our church since the second week we started here at New Life Baptist. And you may not know this, but in seven years, Josh McIntyre and I, for different reasons, have had multiple disagreements. Did you ever recognize it? Did you ever see it? Multiple We've had conversations, not in these, well, yeah, we did. In that room one time, we've had conversations back in the old building when it first got started and we were all thinking our way through things and families and people and friends and uh, conversations in, at, at my driveway. Uh, hey, I need to talk to you. Can we talk right away? Yep, I'll meet you out front. Um, we've had conversations. And there is no one that I, I feel closer to as a friend I'm 47 years old. We're talking about all the buddies that I had growing up in high school and throughout college. There's no one that I count um, as one of my dearest friends than Josh McIntyre. You want to know why? Because when disagreements popped up between me and him, we dealt with him immediately. Immediately. And although we didn't see eye to eye, both of us came to the conclusion that this disagreement doesn't have the merit or value that the gospel of Jesus Christ has and what needs to happen within the confines of his local church. So let's make sure we come to a conclusion on how this needs to end up. And we always hug and sometimes there have been tears and we have wrapped our minds and our hands around each other and we have shaken hands and we've walked out of rooms and guess what's still happening? The gospel is still going forward. When Tyler came on staff here, I told Tyler, I said, There's one thing I'm begging you, Tyler. I'm, I'm begging you, and I promise the same thing out of you. If I'm upset with you or if something happens within our team, we don't hold it. We speak it. We deal with it. And then we work together. And has that happened? Are you upset with anything, by the way? Because, well, I mean, we can deal with it right now. <laughs> Why? Because the gospel is way more important than our disagreements. The only time the Bible says there should be separation is when it's over doctrine of who God is. And I will separate on a heartbeat over that. Or secondly, when somebody cannot come to agreement as Matthew chapter 18 says concerning their sin and we have loved them through it and loved them through it and loved them through it multiple times going over and over again trying to get them to repent and they choose not to repent, then yes, there needs to be a separation until they choose to get right. But we're a team. And the Bible says two is strong, but you put three together and that cord cannot be broken. We are laborers together for Jesus Christ and for, if, if there's no other reason that we should say, you know what, this is really not worth it, it's for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what he told him thirdly. He said, remember what brought us together. Don't forget this, the glue that holds us together, the purpose. Notice the text. This is so amazing. He says, we labored together. They labored with me in the gospel. And for crying out loud, our names are written in the book of life. So rejoice. I mean, really. Rejoice. Don't let these petty differences separate us from the work that God's doing. Don't let these petty differences separate us from laboring together for the gospel. Hey, my name and your name, Ken, they're both written in the book of life if we're believers, aren't they? Settled forever in heaven, sealed by the Holy Spirit. It cannot be undone. Let us... Let us together recognize who we are in Christ Jesus and what. I'm not talking about some kumbaya. I'm talking about literal understanding of who we are in Christ and the work that's got to be accomplished because of the gospel. If we have disagreements, let's deal with them and then let's move forward for the cause of Christ. And guess what we're going to have to do? How many of you love that phrase? We're going to have to agree to disagree. Raise your hand. We're going to have to agree to disagree. There may be ways that I have decided to do things in my home that you may not agree with, and guess what we're going to have to do? You're going to have to raise your family the way you think you need to. I'm going to raise my family the way I think we need to. They're both going to grow up and go off and serve the Lord someday, praise Jesus, and then guess what they're going to do? They're going to raise their families like they think they need to. We're going to have to agree to disagree on preferences. But we're all working together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's about. Man, church is fight over the most ridiculous things. And may that never happen. May that never happen. And if it does, because it probably will, let's deal with it. Let's move forward for the cause of Christ. You're a brother in Christ. I'm a brother in Christ. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let's put aside, let's deal with these things. Let's rejoice And who we are. And again, I say what? Rejoice. We serve a great big God who is a wonderful Lord and Savior. And we have the privilege to serve him today. Church family, this is so important. That's why here at New Life, and I want you to hear this, this is not a threat. It's just the truth. Because of this passage and because of other clear passages, um, as far as we know, gossip will not be tolerated here at New Life. I I am more aggressive on gossip than I'm just about on anything else. If you come to me and you say, Pastor, we have been talking. I'm going to first say before I let you say anything else, let's go get the we. So I'm your wrong guy to come and gossip with. Because that is dangerous within the church. Well, let me tell you, and I love the way we love to cover it up. Right? We love to cover it up. Hey, Warren, we need to pray. We need to pray for Tim Good. <laughs> He's just being a jerk right now. You know, don't we? We love to cover it up with prayer. Uh, and the, the, the good old Southern phrase, Ken, is bless her heart. She just doesn't know. Boy, she is just terrible. Her attitude is rotten. I, I'm telling you guys, when when that stuff starts, the best way to handle it, you're not being rude and say, whoa, 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 just, just say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, wait a minute. Now, now, who are you about to talk about? Well, I'm about to talk about pastor. Well, what, wait a minute. That's fine if you want to say that. Well, let's go grab him first and make him a part of this conversation. What? And then you say this, and by the way, if there's something wrong with pastor, go talk to him. He's ready to listen and to talk about it, and he will admit it if he's wrong. I hope. I hope I would be led of the Spirit to recognize if I'm wrong, right? And that's the way all of us should handle that. This is the way God says do it because we got to live in harmony, working together, remembering the purpose by which we're here and not let Satan throw darts and doubt and confusion into our relationships because I need you and you need me. And that's how we move further for the cause of Christ. That's when things break open and the windows of heaven begin to make a difference. Why? Because we see us as God sees us, as broken people who break oftentimes and need forgiveness. And since he forgave me, I can forgive others. Since he loved me, I can love you. Since he was patient with me, I can be patient with you right that that's the beauty of the gospel one mind one heart striving together this is from Philippians for the faith of the gospel this past week camp was awesome um Monday night was the first message, and I opened by preaching Matthew chapter 19 about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and he said, good master, what must I do to have eternal life? And the problem wasn't that he was asking for eternal life. He didn't recognize who he was talking to, and that's why God said, here's the key to that passage, if you're calling me good, you're calling me God, because there's only one that's good, and that is God. God. So, before we move any further, you need to recognize what I'm about to say is truth. It's right. It's good. And you are wrong. And of course, we know the rich man walked away sorrowful because he put his faith in his riches and his self instead of listening to the mind of God. And that first message was to help all the teenagers recognize you could be wrong. When you walk through the doors into this building to hear the Word of God, you need to be thinking, I might be wrong. I might be wrong about what I was thinking, who God was, and I might be wrong. And then the next message on Tuesday morning was about, hey, give your life to God. If you're wrong, maybe God is right, and maybe he knows what's best for you more than you know what's best for you. So give your life to God. It came from the book of the of Philippians. The third message that night was a clear message on salvation. What does it mean to believe and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? The next morning, Wednesday morning, we had a Q&A at 9.15. All the teenagers could ask any question they wanted to ask to me uh, and, and to try to take the Bible to answer it. And nobody asked any questions but one girl. She gave me a whole sheet of paper, Mac. It had like 10, 11 questions on it. She was sitting right down on the front row, had a hat kind of pulled tightly down over her head, and I remember watching her. She would she would very sheepishly, I guess you'd say, shy look up and listen to the preaching, but very intent of listening. And she had questions like, "Why does God?" um, uh, Like one of the questions was, "Why did God create people even when He knew we would sin?" I mean, they were deep questions. I have really good questions, and I answered some of those in the Q&A, but I didn't get all of her questions answered, and she walked up to me after it was over with tears in her eyes. I'm I'm not, again, sensationalizing the story. Tears in her face. She said, Pastor, I heard the answers, but I've got more. Can you answer the rest on the paper? I said, sure, and we sat down on the front row there and her counselor waited and I went down through some of the questions and tears would roll down her face as I'd give an explanation from the Bible of who her God was. And then I began to recognize that this girl had been hurt really bad by somebody. She had gotten a view of God that was wrong. She thought because of the way The people in her life handled her, and that's the way she viewed God. Or B, she was mad at God for allowing those things to happen within this world. And she just cried, and we talked, and I showed her who God was. And and she would say, "Uh uh-huh, I get it. And I said, he's not like any others. And, oh, man, it was just an amazing time. She gets up from there. She goes off and does the activities. Wednesday night uh, comes around. On Wednesday night, I deal with um, how to keep yourself pure, teenagers, until marriage. Don't give your body away. The wisest man, Solomon, the, smart, the smartest, excuse me, the wisest man, the strongest man, Samson, the godliest man, David, all three of them fell into sin. Who do we think we are that we are going to make it through if we don't give ourselves to God? The next morning, we dealt with parents submitting to authority in your life. And in the midst of that parental marriage, there's a whole section on forgiveness Here's what I said. Kids, I know your parents have hurt you. I know some of you, your parents have hurt you bad. There have been things that have been done by authority in your life that are damaging and scarred you. And I said, you need to be sure if it's still happening. I said, you need to go scream it until somebody hears you. You need to go yell it until somebody gives you help. You don't let that keep going on. But, but. If God forgave you of your sins, you can forgive them of theirs. Because for, lack of forgiveness will be the one thing that will eat you up the rest of your life. Then I preached on the amazing forgiveness of Jesus Christ and how God's forgiven you, so we've got to forgive. The next night, now we're at Thursday night, she comes down to the altar. She kneels there. She begins to weep and to cry. And I don't know what's going on. I just see her there. She's talking to a counselor there together. And that's on Thursday night. The last thing we do after the message on Thursday night, we go up to the, to the canteen for a time of drinks and just fellowship and uh, getting snacks and stuff. And then we go out to a big bonfire. So they take this area, they put a big bonfire, flames are high, and they got all these logs laying around where the kids sit on them. And then we have what we call testimony time. And I'll never forget it, guys. I'm sitting on this side of the bonfire, and her group is on that side, and she stands up, and this timid girl who I had to say, huh, what did you say? She didn't want to speak loud. She stands up. She said, I want you to know I got saved tonight. And I realized that God loves me and that he's forgiven me of all my sins. And I forgave those who have done things to me. And she said, not only that, and she's speaking loudly. I'm thinking, this girl's different. Something's happened in this girl's life. She went from timid and shy and like a whoop puppy to vocally voicing the greatness of God in her life. And now she's like, I want to give my life to God to serve him. And she was like a junior or senior in high school. And she said, I don't know what that means, but I want to do it my heart was overwhelmed. Tears began to come down my face to, to see a radical change that, that, that hinged on forgiveness. The freedom that comes when we let God have it and come into the peace that passeth all understanding. And oftentimes within our churches, the, why, the reason we feel so bound is because we don't like confrontation but we've let confrontation drag out for a long time instead of dealing with a short moment of confrontation and a short issue of forgiveness. And Paul writes a letter all the way from jail to this church in Philippi, all the way across the sea, and He says, hey, y'all need to get things right in the church. I'm not suffering. I'm happy God's got me here. And by the way, you two ladies get this right. Why? Because we labor together. We're in the Lamb's book of life. It's all about the gospel. Let's forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Let's make a difference. In order to be different, you gotta be different. And I know for some of us here today, we are struggling in our hearts and our minds to know exactly what God would have for us. And so here's what I need to do today. I've got a list of names of people that I need to take care of right now. Just kidding. I don't have a list. (laughs) Oh man, I wouldn't do that anyway. But listen up. I may have to come to you later and say, let's get it done. And you may have to come to me and say, pastor, you've held that grudge long enough let's get it right. And again, I really don't know of anything in our church right now, but I'm not naive enough to think that there isn't something or there's not going to be something. And so I hope that we've learned from the book of Philippians, if we're going to have peace with God,
0: we got to have peace with with others.
1: Father, I pray that you would help us to learn much from this text.
0: We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about Him and as you study His Word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.